And I'm delighted to have the opportunity to be with you this morning as we continue our studies of why, why we believe what we believe and why we practice what we practice. As we continue that study, this, at this hour, we're going to talk about why we believe hell to be real and eternal. And then at five this evening, we'll talk about why we do not believe once saved, always saved. Come back and be a part of that study if you can this evening. So let's raise the question, why do we believe hell to be real and eternal? Let's begin by getting a summary of the teaching of hell. Our purpose is not to be exhaustive here or to look at details in great detail, but I just want to get before you kind of a summary teaching of what the Bible has to say about hell. And then we're going to come back and focus on two things. Is it real and is it eternal? What does the Bible say about hell? Well, it's described as being a lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, 20 uh, and verse 14, verse 15, also 21 and in verse 8. You can imagine a lake that's around in this area that if every drop of water were a flame of fire or a combustible substance that we set a fire, what it would be like being cast out into the middle of that lake. It's pictured as a lake of fire. It's also pictured as a furnace of fire. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42 and verse 50 being cast into a furnace of fire. It is pictured as a flaming fire. Jesus is coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus pictured it as a baptism of fire. When you were baptized, you remember being overwhelmed with water. If you could imagine that that baptistry or lake or river wherever you were baptized, again, if every drop of water were a flame or a combustible substance that set a flame, and then someone takes you out and immerses you in that, what would that be like? That's a picture of hell. It is an unquenchable fire. We just read that here just a moment ago in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. It's an unquenchable fire. It is also described as a place that burns with fire and brimstone. If you could imagine some sticky substance sticking to you that burns, Imagine if honey were to be a, uh, a flame of fire. Every drop of honey that you had were a flame of fire, again, a combustible substance to set a fire. You can imagine what it's like when you get honey on your hand and then you take the other hand and try to get it off. Now you've got it on both hands and now you have it all over you. And imagine if that stuck to you and you're just burning in the flames of fire, fire of lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It's a place where there's going to be weeping and wailing and the gnashing of teeth, Matthew 8 and verse 12 and 13 and in verse 18. It's a place that was prepared for the devil. What punishment is due and just and proper for the devil himself? We're going to see more about that a little bit later, but Matthew 25, 41 says it was a place prepared for the devil and his angels. It's a place that's pictured as being of outer darkness, blackness of darkness. We'll pay close attention to that a little bit later. And also pay attention to this, that it's a tor- torment that lasts forever and forever, Revelation 14, verses 10 and 11. Now that's not an exhaustive list of the description of hell, but it does give us a pretty good picture of the summary of the Bible teaching on hell. The Bible says that those who live wicked or those who are disobedient to God are going to be cast in the lake of fire, the flaming fire, forever and forever. There are two questions about hell that we want to answer in our study this morning. Here's the first. The first is, is hell real? Or is it a myth or is it a state of mind? Some describe hell and they think of hell as being nothing but a state of mind. They talk about going through hell. That hell is just terrible experiences on earth. And so that's living through that terrible experience on earth is going through hell, they think, of the Bible description. And that's not the Bible picture at all. 
What we're going to raise is the question, is it real? Is there a real place called hell? And secondly, is it eternal? There are those who argue that it's not eternal, and I'll tell you more about what they say about that here in just a moment. So let's talk about why we believe hell to be real and eternal. Let's start with the fact of why we believe hell to be real. We believe hell to be real because Jesus said it's real. We've already demonstrated that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that proved that indeed he is the sinless son of God, declared to be the son of God by the resurrection. So the sinless son of God who was raised from the dead, proven to be deity himself, if he says it's real, it's real. And that's all we need to say about that. But let's see where he said it was real. In Mark 9, a passage we read just a moment ago, that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. That's Gehenna. There's another term that's translated hell in the King James. But this one is Gehenna. That is the eternal abode of the wicked into the fire that shall never be quenched. And then he quotes from Isaiah 66, 4, which says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Three times in our text, that statement is made and we'll come back to that later. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus pictures hell as a real threat. So here's what I'm learning from this text. That hell is not a fictitious story that's used to scare people into doing something they otherwise would not do. Not that some preachers have decided, you know, let's make up this story about a, a terrible place that you burn forever and we can scare people into following us if, if we can convince them that hell is real. It is not a fictitious story. Jesus pictured it as a place where there is a real danger of being cast into hell. It is not a condition, nor is it a state of mind. There is a real danger of being cast into hell. It is a place that is a real place. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 16. And as you're turning to Luke 16, I'm well aware of the fact, before you tell me, that Luke 16 is not talking about Gehenna. I understand that. This is talking about the Hadean realm, the realm of the departed spirits. I got that. I understand that. I'm also convinced this is not a parable, but a real story. It's never called a parable. Names are given in the context, Abraham and Lazarus. So this is a real story. But what I want you to notice is that Hades serves as a foretaste of the greater to come. That one was cast into torment. That's in the Hadean realm. He wasn't in Gehenna hell. He wasn't in the hell that burns forever and forever, but he's cast into the Hadean realm. And the text is indicating that that serves as a foretaste of the greater to come. Let's notice verse 23. Luke chapter 16 and in verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. If Abraham is real, so is this place where he was is real. Now notice down at verse 28. He asked Abraham, he said, I have five brothers. Send, uh, he's asking to send Abraham back, that, uh, or Lazarus back, that he may testify to them lest they come into this place of torment. My point is that if this Hadean realm, which is a foretaste of the greater to come, if this is real, so then the eternal is also real. And so Jesus pictures it in Luke 16 as being a real place. He did in Mark chapter 9. Notice another case where Jesus pictured it as being real. In Matthew chapter 25, this judgment scene Jesus pictures about separating the right from the left, the sheep from the goats, he said, and he will say to those who are on the left hand, this is 25 and 41, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and for his angels. 
cast into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and for his angels. So the destiny of the wicked, Jesus presents, is the same as the eternal destiny for the devil and for the wicked angels. Well, let's go to a couple of passages, starting with 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 4, we read about angels that sinned and what happened to them. Well, notice 2 Peter 2 and in verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, that is, into Tartarus, that is, a, a realm of the Hadean realm, into Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Now let's catch a verse that says almost identically the same thing. Notice Jude and verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now what have I learned about angels that sin? I learned they're suffering now. They're awaiting judgment and they're not unconscious. They don't go out of existence. We'll say more about the significance of that a little bit later. But nonetheless, that there is a place that is real where they are abiding and they're waiting for something even worse is what Jude 6 and 2 Peter chapter 2. Well, what about the devil himself? Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 20. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 and notice verse 10. Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil himself is tormented day and night forever and forever. That pictures it, Jesus is picturing it not only as something eternal, we'll come back to that, but as a place that indeed is real. So why do we believe that hell is real? Because Jesus said it's real. Here's a second reason. Because it's placed on an equality with heaven as far as its nature is concerned. I'm not saying hell and heaven are the same thing, but as far as its nature is concerned, what do we mean? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 25, that same judgment scene we we're talking about a moment ago. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25 and look at verse 46. When the sheep and the goats and the right and the left are separated, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now notice that what's said of one could be said of the other. Go back again. Now look at verse 46. He talks about everlasting punishment and life eternal. As far as their nature is concerned, they are on the same level. In other words, they're on placed on an equality. If one of those is real, then so is the other. If one of those is a myth, then so is the other. If one of those is fictitious, then so is the other. What I find is that people want to make hell a myth. It's not real, but they want to make heaven real. Heaven is a real place where I can go, but hell's not a real place. That's something you experience on earth. So if this is real, then this is real. But this is a state of mind, then so is that a state of mind. If this is a myth, then so is that a myth. They're placed on an equality, one with the other. Why do we believe that hell is real? Because Jesus said it's real. Because it's placed on an equality with heaven. And furthermore, it's something to be feared. It's something to be feared. Let's go to see what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and in verse 28. He said, do not fear those who kill the body. Someone that could take a gun or a knife or some object and they kill you. Certainly we're fearful, but don't fear. That's not as, as something to be as afraid of as something else. What? 
but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What am I learning from that text? Jesus presents hell as something to be feared. He furthermore presents it as something that's beyond the grave. So if it is to be feared and it's beyond the grave, then hell indeed is a place that is real. So why do I believe it to be real? Perhaps there's other reasons we could cite. We've cited sufficient to establish our point that Jesus said it's real. It's placed on an equality with heaven. And furthermore, it's something to be feared. But let's talk about a second thing now and spend the rest of our time. Why do we believe hell to be eternal? Why do we believe hell to be eternal? There are some religious groups who believe that hell is not eternal. Some believe that at the point of your death, you are annihilated. You go out of existence, and so there is no eternal abiding in hell. Others have a little different form of that. They think that you, you are punished. You go to hell, and you're punished commensurate with your sin. So if you've sinned a lot, you'll be punished for a while. If only sin just a little, you'll be punished just a little bit, and then you go out of existence, and then you go out of existence forever and forever. And so their explanation of all the forever passages that talk about for eternal punishment, that you go out of existence forever and forever. That's their explanation of all of those passages. There have been some of our own brethren who've bought into that concept. Some of you have heard the name Ed Fudge. He wrote a book, uh, The Fire That Consumes. He basically argues you go out of existence. And then a little bit later, our own brother Homer Haley bought into that same concept. And a book published after his death that argues the same concept that Fudge argued, and that hell is not eternal. And so brethren have bought into this concept that hell is not an eternal thing. Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. I want us to see that the same word that describes heaven being eternal describes hell as being eternal. Let's see if we can find this. Let's notice again in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Notice two things are mentioned here. There is everlasting punishment. That was the wording of verse 46. And then he mentions life eternal or eternal life. It's interesting that the word translated everlasting is the very same word that's translated eternal. What I do with one, I must be willing to do with the other. Now, those are, not, those are two different English words, but those are the same word in the original. The word ever is that you get eternal are the same word. So if I say, well, you know what? What that means is that you go out of existence, and that's what makes hell eternal, all right? You go out of existence, that's what makes heaven eternal. Why not? Oh, no, 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 no. We don't believe that. What we believe is you're going to go to abide in heaven, and you're going to live there forever and forever and forever. All right, the same thing must be true of hell. They're put on the equality again. One is everlasting, the other is eternal. It's the exact same word. All right, let's go again. Let's talk about the fact the Bible says it's everlasting. Not only is the same word used, but it's everlasting. Now let's notice the Bible talks about eternal fire and everlasting fire. Let's go back to Jude in verse 7. We were there just a few moments ago talking about angels that sinned in verse 6, how they're reserved unto the judgment of the great day. Now notice in verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh and have set forth or, and are set forth as an example of suffering the vengeance of, notice this, eternal fire. Now here's what I'm learning from this text. Sodom and Gomorrah were burned with fire, with literal fire. The cities were. 
And yet their punishment doesn't end there. That's what this text just told me, verse 7. They were burned with fire. You remember the story in Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah being burned with fire. Their punishment didn't end there. They will also suffer eternal fire. And that serves as an example to us, to warn us not to follow these false teachers that are mentioned in the context of Jude, of the book of Jude. All right, let's notice another phrase. Very similar to that, but another text. Let's go to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Cast it off, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better to enter into life maimed or lame rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. In other words, I'm learning from that it's better to go through life without a hand or a foot than to suffer everlasting fire. So why do we believe hell to be eternal? It's described as an eternal fire, an everlasting fire. Not that you go out of existence for eternity, but there is a fire. There is punishment that lasts forever and forever. Now, if you don't get any other text in our study, and you're talking to someone and you say, I, I want a passage that I think is really strong showing that hell is eternal, then get this passage in Revelation chapter 14. I want you to see that it's torment that is forever and forever. It's not merely something lasts forever and forever, and then we could argue and twist that maybe they go out of existence forever and forever, but torment lasts forever and forever. Revelation 14, 10 and 11. He himself will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now notice verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. The smoke of their torment ascends forever and forever. Let's look at that phrase, forever and ever. Earlier in the book, this is Revelation 14, chapter 4 though says that God lives forever and forever. That's interesting. What does that mean? God lives forever and ever. Did God live for a little while and then God ceased to exist? No, God didn't cease to exist. What that's talking about, God lives with an endless future. All right, same expression, same expression. There is torment that lasts forever. Not something that lasts forever and forever, but torment, punishment that lasts forever and ever. Somebody said, oh, I know what that means. It means they go out of existence. No, 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 no. We found that phrase, it means endless future here. It must mean endless future there. You say, oh, no, no. I think over there it means they go out of existence. Then God went out of existence maybe. Oh, no, no, no. This means endless future. Well, then it must mean the same thing over there. You can't, you can't have it both ways. And so why do we believe that hell is eternal? Because the Bible describes as the smoke of their torment ascending forever and forever, just like God lives forever and forever. Now let's go to the text. It was read to us a few moments ago. And let's go to Mark, the ninth chapter, if you will. And we'll start at verse 43. Mark 9 and verse 43. The fire will not be quenched. If you'll note, if you have marginal notes in your Bible, a center reference column or something of that nature, or some kind of footnote, you'll notice that as Verse 44, 46, and 48 use this phrase. Notice three times the phrase is used. The worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's mentioned in verse 44, mentioned in verse 46, quoted again in verse 48. Each time it's quoted, there's a reference. If you have marginal notes, that's quota uh, that quotation comes from Isaiah 66 and in verse 24 is where that comes. 
So what's that talking about? Well, here's the normal circumstance. The normal circumstance is that the worm uh, eats the flesh of the animal. When the animal dies, the worm comes to the animal and eats the flesh of the animal. And when the flesh is consumed, the worm would die. But this text says where the worm does not die. That's different, isn't it? It's not the normal thing. Here the worm does not die. All right, we'll come back to that. Then he talks about the fire not being quenched. Here's the norm. And that is in the burning of trash or of rubbish, you have when the burning of the fuel, the wood or whatever it may be, when it's burned, uh, when what's burned is consumed, then the fire goes out. You understand that when you have a campfire. You have, you have your logs and you build your fire. And when the fire is roaring and finally it's all consumed, then the fire burns out. It's over. It's done. It quits. So the norm is the worm does die and the fire it goes out. But here is a time, he said, when the worm would not die and the fire is not quenched. In other words, it doesn't end. That's an argument for the eternal nature of hell. Why do we believe hell to be eternal? Because Jesus warned of the danger. If, uh, let's go back now to verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that will never be quenched. Where, and now we quote, where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. Says it again, and then he says it again. In other words, it doesn't end. It's not like the norm where the worm does die and the fire is quenched. The worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. It doesn't end. If it doesn't end, it's eternal. That's why we believe hell is eternal. Well, the Bible also talks about the blackness of darkness being forever and forever. The blackness of darkness forever and forever and forever. Let's go back to the book of Jude. Jude was warning about false teachers and those who would follow after these false teachers. And notice what he says. Notice the parallel. We've noticed this several times already this morning between 2 Peter 2 and Jude. Um, but be that as it may, look at verse 12. These are spots in your love feast while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming uh, up their own shame. Wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Well, we'll not take the time to read 2 Peter chapter 2, but he says essentially the same thing. That there is the blackness of darkness reserved for these false teachers forever. So there's the blackness of darkness forever. Well, the Bible talks about being cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 8, 12, 22, 13, and 25, and 30. Jesus warned that if one did not live in harmony with the will of God, he'd be cast into outer darkness. There'd be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, you connect that with what we just saw in Jude and in 2 Peter. They're going to be cast into this outer blackness of darkness forever going to last forever and forever. And so we conclude that's not annihilation, as some have argued. This is suffering that lasts forever. So notice if the blackness of darkness is lasting forever, there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth forever and forever. That's not going out of existence. That is punishment that lasts forever and forever. And indeed, it is eternal. Now, what have we seen in our study this morning? Here's what we've seen in answer to the question, why do we believe hell to be real? And why do we believe it to be eternal? Many of our friends and neighbors don't think hell is real at all. There's no danger. 
They don't think it's going to last forever and forever. They don't think it's eternal. We believe it to be real because Jesus said it's real, because it's placed on an equality with heaven, because it's something to be feared, and we believe it's eternal because the same word describes heaven as describes hell. And furthermore, it's everlasting. There is a torment that lasts forever and forever. It's a fire that will never be quenched. And the blackness of darkness lasts forever and forever. And that's why we believe hell to be real and why we believe hell to be eternal. More could be said about the subject of hell, a great deal more. But hopefully that's enough and sufficient to establish the point that indeed it's real and it does last forever and forever. It's something to be feared. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Is your life right and in harmony with the will of God? If it's not, you need to worry about the dangers of hell. Would you be obedient even this very morning? Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith, and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and sing?